We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 82 of the pod, a Thursday edition. Thank you for bearing with us. Uh, schedules did not match up, but it here happens. we are bringing you just hot topics that 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 hot fire in terms of some Chicago and national sports. We'll talk Bears. We'll talk a little baseball. We'll obviously talk some college football. Pivotal weekend here, championship weekend. There's a little golf on the show today. We give you a lock of the week. We buy, we sell, and then we shut you down. Thank you for coming along for the ride, Joe Musso, alongside Matt Rooney, Matt. Let's take the temperature right now. How are you? Joe, before we get into any of that, because that, uh-huh. those are all important topics we need to cover today, I think there is one burning question. I know it's been on my mind uh, since the last time we talked. I believe it was Tuesday. Probably mm-hmm. everyone else's mind as well. How were the Thanksgiving steaks? No, they were fantastic. Okay, they, that's they good. Were fantastic. That's good. That makes we, me feel a lot better. I was so, worried about it all week. We went because it's Thanksgiving, you know, I still wanted to implement the family style aspect into it. So I got a monster T-bone and then another New York strip. Ooh. We just sli- we Ooh. just sliced it up. Oh, yeah. We sliced it. We let her sit after she got out of the cast iron, got out of the oven. Uh, we let her sit for a little while there, sliced her up, and then you, you eat as you please. Little, mm-hmm. little filet side, little strip side. It was, uh, it was a wonderful little meal. I did go, did go boxed on the mashed potatoes because I simply didn't have the time. I was coming home from work. I couldn't do a scratch mashed potato. Mm-hmm. It was very unhappy. That's okay. It was, it, 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 the box still gets the job done. It's it wasn't even good, a good, it wasn't even a good box. You okay. know, there's a couple good brands on boxes. This was a bad mashed potato. It, it was borderline a meal ruiner. But I'm glad it didn't it was, ruin your meal. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a nice meal. How was, uh, how was your Thanksgiving with, with your loved ones? Uh, it, it was lovely. Yeah, honestly, I got up in the morning. I went into work. I got paid to watch the Bears play football, Perfect. Uh, which was then they won, thankfully. I was home at my Thanksgiving family party by 4.15, uh, had a nice dinner and watched some football, and that was, it was a lovely Thanksgiving. Dinner was fantastic, as always. Uh, got some leftovers, made a couple sandwiches the next couple of days, and there you go. It was, it was fantastic, it was all, as always. It was nice to be home for the holidays with, uh, with, with the family, see everybody, and uh, obviously that, that's my favorite meal of the year, I think. So I, uh, Can't beat I, it. I had a great meal. I was very full that night, Joseph. Well, Matt, I'm glad you were full. I'm glad you were happy. And uh, we got our bellies full on a Bears win as well. And it was, uh, it was a, a Trubisky-less win as this weekend could be once again is what it we're is. hearing. Uh, it Mid- looks like 99% sure. I think I saw, saw he, gotcha. is, he is out, which um, I, th- I don't know how you feel about that. I think it's the right call if he's not I think 100%. It's the, I think it's the right call, too. You can beat a team like New York. You can beat a team like Detroit without Mitch, especially the way that Chase Daniel played uh, on Thanksgiving. And and now he's got a nice 10-day layoff here, game plan it a little more, kind of get into the groove of being the quote-unquote starting quarterback for the week because there are different things. There are different routines that you go through as a starting quarterback. I just hope that, you know, it wasn't a uh, – it wasn't a flash in the pan and that because that's what Chase Daniels been. You know, we don't know. He's never had sustained success over multiple weeks yeah. as an NFL quarterback. He's only had a few opportunities to do that. That was his first start since twenty fourteen. Exactly. But send, but back in twenty fourteen and those other moments that he's comes and comes came into game, excuse me, uh, 
there have been ups and downs. I just hope we stay on an up until Mitch does come back. I'm okay with Mitch not playing, especially if he is still dinged. If we're going to have a playoff push here and a playoff run, you do want your starting quarterback at 100%. we got to get him back to as close to 100% as possible. We're talking about a throwing arm here. So put him on ice. My worry is surrounding the extent of this injury. If it is now, when, when, when we get to Sunday, that's going to be more than 14 days. That's going to be a 17-day injury. Is that, I think, yeah, something so in that, in that area? Say, yeah, some, something that's, along the lines of that. That's a grade two, grade three sprain of some sort in that shoulder. And when you're talking about throwing shoulder, that's not good. I want to know, I understand that he hasn't practiced. I want to know to what extent he's thrown a football. So he did. Uh, he did start practicing actually uh, yesterday, I believe it was. He didn't throw. Uh, he did I not thought he was held out. Wednesday. So here's the, he didn't practice in the media availability okay. portion to it. But then it came out a little bit uh, later in the afternoon that he actually did go through practice when the media was not around. So he and that, I, I, I'm assuming well, that's that's, that was strategic. And to give you well um, to give you a peek behind the curtain here, the media portion of practice everywhere I've been from NFL to college is about. 13 minutes long at the beginning of practice you get to watch them stretch you get to watch them do individual drills and then it's turn off the cameras yeah that that seems that that makes a lot of sense but i uh, i'm i've read and kind of heard that you know if he if he had to if this was week one of the playoffs if this is the wild card round he'd he'd be be playing playing. um this is kind of a little bit more of what they did with mac and robinson like yeah could they have played against the the bills sure did they really need to? And was it more of, you know, we, we can play them now and kind of have them fine, but a little bit banged up the rest of the year, or we can just take this week. We have, you know, capable guys behind them and just get them fully ready. And I think that's the the right way to go about it. Um, I had heard some whispers inside work that, you know, the, the day he, there's all this stuff happened before the Lions game that, you know, it sounded like this might actually be a two minute, like a two day or two week, excuse me, thing. So this they wasn't, planned, yeah. So I, did, I don't think outside to us, this might be a little bit new, but I think inside Hallis Hall, this was always a little bit the plan they were leaning Hall towards as much as they yeah. didn't want to communicate that to the media, which is like with, you know, every sports organization does with injuries. But because of that, I'm not all that interested. And we saw Chase Daniel play fine against Detroit. And we saw Matt Nagy, we, we saw that Matt Nagy knows how to coach to his quarterback and knows how to scheme people open because Chase Daniel was still able to go, what, 27 for 37. Mm-hmm. He, he was very efficient, while not great, and, and did what he needed to do to get a win. And I think that, and I hope that no one in New York's listening right now because what I need to see this week from Matt Nagy is some play calling off of those running back wheel routes because we scored to the left, mm-hmm. we scored to the right, and we could have scored to the right once before both of those on an overthrown ball to Tariq yeah. Cohen. I want to see some action coming underneath those. Teams are going to be looking for that coming out of the backfield now. You take someone out of the backfield, safety's wide, middle of the field's wide open, Trey Burton, 80 yards, something like that. I, I, I just want to see some you get the, you get inventive that. You get that outside receiver, maybe Trey Burton, fake kind of a little pick route. Tr- see, act like he's yeah. going to try and scheme the wheel open, but then just go right up that seam. He's going to be wide the old, open. The old lightning bears. route. The old, you, the old 35-yard lightning route. You have right connections. There. Can you get us on a staff? I mean, clearly we um, know what we're talking about. Yes, I think just, uh, we'll the, be like, the 49ers could use some inventive play calling, uh, actually, Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, if nothing say, else, that's the if nothing they else their play calling is, what, is Kyle, what they do have. Kyle yeah, Shanahan so. has schemed Nick Mullins into <laughs> he's, being uh, a serviceable NFL quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's made Nick Mullins a millionaire. He's going to be a backup quarterback for the next seven years now and hopefully not have to play at all. He's not very good. But, uh, he's going to take us down done. to Vegas with him. 
Not a bad idea, man. Not a bad idea. Let's roll the dice on these kids from Chicago, man. Um, but no, let's look forward to this week's matchup, Matt, a little bit. The key, obviously, here is stopping the run, which we've done very well, stopping Saquon Barkley. And you essentially, you bracket Odell Beckham and you try and let Sterling Shepard beat you. I think mm-hmm. that's I think that's the plan of attack. Um, you keep everything underneath you, or you let everything underneath happen because Eli can no longer push the ball down the field. Um, it's a very beatable New York Giants team, and I think that's why they're sitting at, what, 3-8, and eight, if I'm yeah, not mistaken? Yeah, I believe they're 3-8. and eight. They, they played a nice game against Philly, but Philly's not, you know, who they were last year. And they've been playing some better football the last couple weeks, but I agree. I mean, if you can stop the run like this team has been able to just about all year, with the exception of the Detroit game when they were playing their second game in 85 hours, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm really not too worried about being able to bottle him up or at least contain him. And, yeah, just don't let – Eli Manning beat you, which I don't think should be all that difficult for these guys, and especially a secondary that's as good at taking the ball away from it than any other secondary, excuse me, and you're facing a quarterback who's just about as good at giving you the ball as any other Mm. quarterback. Yeah. Uh, As you said, a fantastic secondary, Eddie Jackson winning NFC Player of the Week after his pick six, uh, essentially sealing down one up on, on the Thanksgiving holiday, and hopefully we can see more of that this weekend. Eli is prone to the turnover. So I, I think we might see a little bit more Eddie Jackson in and around the ball. Yeah, we had in, uh, in and around the end zone is what I was going for. That. I don't know how you get in. The, uh, we're going to leave it there. We'll leave it there. Let's just, this, we don't have the explicit <laughs> tag yet, Joe. Um, oh, God. We had, that was one of the plays on our, our weekly show we have with Dave wants that he comes on in one of the segments, he breaks down four or five plays from the week before. And that was one of the plays and I didn't realize it, but the bears pretty much had a, a, they're putting all the pressure on Stafford. They had one-on-one coverage everywhere else. And Jackson, pretty much, if he didn't pick off that ball, that was into, I forget, I think I forgot which tight end was going out for that, but he was going to catch that ball and had nobody behind him to go get him. So that was pretty much, yeah. we're, we're scoring and going up here or they're scoring and going up here. Um, mm. So the the guts, I will say, on <laughs> Eddie Jackson to, to step in front of that, instincts to grab the ball, and uh, what that's five touchdowns now for his career, which is just unbelievable. He's got more touchdowns since defensive touchdowns than anybody since 2015 and he was drafted in 2017 yeah that's i think my Uh, favorite stat in the nfl right now he's he's one of the best going right now he's leading uh safeties i believe in pro bowl votes uh which which is much well deserved and he's a lot of fun to watch i think it's it's very much that devin hester situation too where you're going to look back at anything can happen and any, not only can anything happen, but you're going to look down at those scoreboards when he's making these plays. And as you said, they are in big moments. Mm-hmm. They are in really, really big moments. Tie ball games, one score ball games, and he's coming through big. So great to have uh, a safety on the back end, something that we haven't had since Mike Brown. You know, you never wish for injury on people, but thankfully he broke his leg at Alabama and, and dropped to the fourth round show. Yeah, because we got ourselves yeah, a steal. And, and thankfully, he came back to to this height too. I'm looking at the turnover statistics right now, Matt. Just wanted to see where the Giants are at. Middle of the pack, they're tied for 17th in turnover dif- differential with a differential of plus one. They've uh, given it away 12 times, taken it away 13. Mm-hmm. The Bears leading the NFL in takeaway in turnover differential, taking it away 29 times, including 20 interceptions. Is that nine good? Fumbles. That's real, real that good? good. That's good. And okay. They They've, uh, they've only given it away a total of 15 times. So that's uh, it's going to lead to some wins because it is uh, it is one of the most telling stats in football where you're at in terms of turnover differential on a week-to-week basis. The Bears have been uh, not only doing it well, but uh, accumulating it and now leading the league because you look at the teams at the top. That's, it's actually, they're tied for number one. And I don't think you could guess who the number 
one team that they're tied with is because it doesn't make any sense. Oh, I don't even know. Just tell me. The Cleveland Browns have a turnover differential of plus 14. They've taken it away 27 times, turned it over 13, which makes no sense to me. Well, they're, um, an, they're an aggressive defense, and Baker, <laughs> uh, I mean, they have some, they don't have the most aggressive of offenses with Baker. They didn't put him in a lot of positions to turn the ball over, so that makes kind of sense. I can see right, it. Stop I can rationalizing it, Matt. I can see right. it. It's my job. Uh, any Anything else to add to the uh, Bears stew before we move on? Keep this thing staring? No, I'm just, uh, what, I guess for you, what is. Eight and three, five games left. What's your? Where do you want them to be at the end of the season? Where you, where you're comfortable saying they'll they'll have a home playoff game? Is that ten wins? Is that eleven wins? Where where do you think they're going to get to? Where do you want them to be? A home playoff game, ten win, eleven is the safest. Obviously, yeah. I still but, think um, ten wins probably gets you there. If you're looking at the exit at the remaining schedule, honestly, you got three games that even should be games but they're all winnable. Mm-hmm. I think the Bears can go blow for blow with the Rams. That's the only game that I'd be okay with a loss. I think you beat the Giants, you take care of them. The Packers, you not only need to beat them for the record, but you need to send a message that this is what this is now. Yeah, where, that, the team, where are the team to be? That's you're not, not going like, to come into Soldier Field mm-hmm. at noon on a Sunday, and you're not going to Aaron Rodgers back-footed against us and find a way, find a way to win. This is a this is atonement for week one this is atonement for the past 10 years i want them to win that football game by 35 points yeah you then go on to play the 49ers 49ers you should be able to put your thumb on and then you finish up with the vikings at the vikings which will be a really good football game but you always want to go into the playoffs on a win i think that could have some big time bearing on the vikings and their playoff picture as well as the bears and home not home field advantage but getting a home playoff game yeah that one i i that one for me is I think is going to have some serious uh, implications, oh, yeah, implications. For, the, for the Vikings on the playoffs. I think I'm not sure it'll have the division on the line, but I think the Vikings. I think I think the Vikings still have somewhat of a difficult schedule here coming up. I think they have at New England and also at Seattle still left, so that those are the Vikings, be two tough matchups for them. The Vikings go New England this weekend at Seattle. Yep, uh, they welcome the Dolphins. They go to the Lions, which could always be a trap. That, and then they Ford Fields not not an easy place to, to play. Um, but that's that could be one of those where you know a couple of years ago the the Bears it's a trap. Had, the, well, the Bears had had the Packers at at the Packers week seventeen with a chance to eliminate them from the playoffs couldn't pull off the win and then ended up losing to the Packers the and then NFC you lose to them in the game. NFC Championship yeah but I, I'm also with it that that Packers home game I mean that's that that's not going to have much implication on the standings because if the Bears beat the Giants and the Niners they'll be at ten wins and the Packers can't catch them. Um, it's but you know that, what it that, is? that's that's a statement game that's a mental game that's a that's that's got to be I'm, it's an I'm the captain now game yeah that, that's got to be a, a changing of the guard type game like that, that, that's got to be one, one where you take over and we'll, we'll see yeah. if the Bears can do it we'll see what Matt Nagy has in them and that that team is looking for any excuse in the world to quit I'd imagine they'll come out fired up for that one but I, I still think you got to do whatever you can and then get them get them early and often Yes, so that's that's what the remaining. I hate them so like. much. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you, thank you for clarifying. This is not a biased podcast, but I hate them so much. Um, it's going to be a meaningful final few weeks of the regular season. I think we uh, are in for a, a fun little ride here, and hopefully a, a little playoff push to go with it. Because uh, the Bears, while we are completely hyped on them nationally, they're not really receiving 
the notoriety, I don't think, that uh, that they deserve, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with flying a little bit under the radar. People know how good this defense is, but they don't want to talk about it because it's an offensive mm-hmm. league, and we're going to get a good look of it on that uh, Rams-Bears game, and I think that's going to be where the nation – might have to might have to take a little uh, credence to what the Bears have done this season. And, That'll be uh, the Bears' chance to do it. I mean, that, that yeah. that's that's kind of the uh, that's the first chance to re- this real this year really to have that great offense versus great defense matchup. We thought it was going to be Vikings at Rams, but that didn't really happen. The Vikings defense got off to that horrible start. Um, yeah. So this this will be the Bears' chance to kind of be the the last stand for defense. I think in the NFL at least for this season. I, uh, I agree with you there, Matt. It's going to be a fun watch down the stretch. Let's move to the collegiate ranks. Obviously, big, big football being played this weekend. Uh, before we get to that, the Irish, a perfect did, 12-0, did undeniably you, a did part you catch of it? the college football playoff. Did you watch the USC did game or were you working? The SC game. Uh, I watched the USC game. I watched you, the USC uh, game. I, I, I'm going to assume you picked up on a lot. It was, it was that nail-biter like early. And that looked like a team that was just absolutely exhausted. Yeah, and I, they, I think the, uh, the month of travel, I, I saw they had a graphic up during that broadcast. I want to say it was like 8,700 miles they traveled in, in the York, month of November. San Diego back, Chicago back, yeah. home, New York back, L.A. back. That's just – you saw missed tackles. You saw the lack of a running game. You saw all the stereotypical signs of a football team being gassed and being tired, and that was Notre Dame on, on, uh, on Saturday. But, hey – they went down ten nothing. They had chances where they they could have packed it and quit against a very talented USC team. Uh, granted, very young and, and the record doesn't show up, but there's the talent there. Um, mm-hmm. They came back and, and and basically willed themselves to win despite being gassed. They absolutely did, Matt. And it was uh, it was a great performance. Uh, not a great performance, but it was great to see them get it done when they needed to get it done against USC because so many times in that situation in that matchup. We've seen them go down ten nothing and then lose by thirty mm-hmm. or lose by twenty and just never could get back in the ball game. So I think this is a different team with a different DNA that's made up different and know knew what was on the line uh, on Saturday and they got the job done. And now there's no excuse, and I'm not saying that's an excuse to travel, but there's no reason that they're not at full strength. No, the I college agree. football college football playoff semifinal, the next game that they could conceivably play is on December 29th. It's a month from today. So they have a month from today to get ready, which I think is just too much time, but uh, that's, that's college football. They want it to be around the holiday. They want it to be around the new year. And um, I'm as, I'm cool with dragging out college football season as long as you possibly can, because when it ends, I get so sad. Yeah, so December 29th, college football playoff. The uh, locations on those are AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, Jerry's World, and Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, Florida. So, I mean, you're going to travel either way. Everyone's going to travel. It looks like they'll be in Miami. Yeah, it's it's obviously a shorter travel for Clemson, Bama, and I'm I'm just assuming Georgia makes a good football game out of it. in this SEC championship, and we're going to see two SEC teams. That's how I two lost really Georgia is not getting. Yeah, I get two lost. You, you can't. I, I know LSU is a good team. You can't lose by you know seventeen to LSU and still. I, I don't think you can have that type of loss on your resume as a two. Okay, so let's let's dive game. into this conversation then. So two lost Georgia. Here's the here's the situation. Georgia loses. We're writing them off. Two lost Georgia's out. One loss Ohio State. If they get the win over the Cats, which don't don't sleep on those Cats. Hashtag um, go Cats. If, if Ohio State, Chicago's Big Ten team, Ohio People State forget one that. loss, 
Do you like them? Do you like Oklahoma? Who do you like in that number four spot? Um, you got to go Oklahoma. Assuming that mind. Georgia loses. Uh, assuming Georgia loses, assuming Oklahoma and Ohio State both take care of business. I, I Don't get me wrong. Ohio State against Michigan looked every bit of the team we thought they'd be this year. What a game that was. It I was, enjoyed that. I, 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 I enjoyed it as well. <laughs> Um, they looked fantastic. They, they were firing all cylinders. Dwayne Haskins looked like at times the best quarterback in the country. Um, mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh is uh, Urban Meyer is now Jim Harbaugh's daddy. Uh, I don't think though that one ga- we can't get too caught up in one game because I, uh-huh. I still think you look at the whole body. And granted, that's the fresh one in the mind that should be probably maybe hold the most weight over what happened earlier on in the year. But you still have to look at a team that. You know, barely beat Mar- beat Maryland in overtime and against the Maryland team that just lost to Penn State by three touchdowns. And it, for for me as well, you can't lose to Purdue on the road by twenty nine and, and expect to jump Oklahoma, especially if Oklahoma Fair. goes out and avenges their only loss. I, I yeah. know the, the argument is, well, their defense stinks and they're allowing forty seven points a game, blah blah blah, which is true. That's absolutely true. But they're also winning all of those games, which. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe in strength of schedule obviously plays a part. I believe that, you know, you have to look at how you lost, how you've won and all that stuff. But at the same time, like I don't really care how much, how many points a game you're allowing if you're winning those football games and you're doing so in a convincing manner, which they for the most part are. Um, I, I think Oklahoma has as good of a win on their resume as Ohio State does. I think at West Virginia in that atmosphere might be as good as, as home against Michigan or close to it. And if they can avenge their only loss against Texas, I, I think it's kind of a no-brainer in my mind, especially that offense can keep them in any game, even though they will probably love 50 to any team in the playoff. And I also think that in these types of boardroom negotiations, however they do it with the with the committee, I think that national cachet really does play a factor here. And both of these teams have fantastic fan bases that will travel well and if that's this was great and all. TCU this versus Ohio season, State, Ohio State would completely be. different. Exactly, completely different conversation. Oklahoma, Ohio State, two great fan bases, two historic teams, two historic um, schools with programs, with whatever national programs. Call thank you, with national championships to their name. But I'm talking about this season specifically. Kyler Murray is college football. You know, Kyler Murray was the name we heard weeks one through three. There was a little dip. Now we're hearing about Kyler Murray for Heisman again. Mm-hmm. We're hearing it's it's Kyler Murray. He's this kid who's going to go play for the A's. And uh, does he have an NFL career? What what decision is he going to make? Is he even going to care about this season? Is Billy Bean going to pay him? Does he care? Exactly. So they've been in the national forefront where I think this year, compared to years past, Ohio State has been aside from the Nick Bosa saga, has been quieter than they have in the last decade. Yeah. And I don't think that does them any sir, any uh, any sort of favors when you get into a room and you're starting to talk about these two teams for the four spot. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. And it's, that, that was a good point, and that's one that I've kind of thought of too, that basically this isn't Ohio State versus some you know random Big 12 school that kind of no. came out of nowhere. This is Ohio State against, you know, a program that's equal or better than Ohio State has more national cachet than they do. And honestly, like if you look and, at Ohio State's schedule, like I don't want to rip on that. I mean, Oklahoma's, I guess, isn't all that much better either. But Ohio State's best win is at Penn State, which that, that's a nice win. But Penn State, while well, they're ranked it's a nice 12, win is, last not, year, <laughs> it's not Penn State. Penn State is yeah. not who they were. I think we saw this year with, you know, what Michigan did to the Big Ten and then what Ohio State did to Michigan that. The Big Ten, anybody who watched Big Ten football this year knows that the top of the Big Ten is not the top of the Big Ten of last year. It's Ohio yeah. State, or excuse me, Penn State, 
Michigan State, Wisconsin are all not who they were last year. And I, I just I don't see one win on Ohio State's schedule outside of the win at against Michigan, which was great, is all that impressive of a win. People keep saying, well, they went, you know, they beat TCU in Texas. Well, TCU kind of stinks this year, and they won that game by 12 in a back and forth game. Like, mm-hmm. I don't see it. Oklahoma went through a fairly tough Big 12 schedule. They beat West Virginia, and if they beat Texas, I, I think those are better wins than Ohio State has on and their schedule. Exactly. It's not a, it's not an effort to discredit what Ohio State has done or, no, what, no, no, no. Dwayne, or what Dwayne just, Haskins has done. You can't get obsessed over been, one Like game. you said, exactly. But he, he's been one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback across the nation this year, but it just hasn't garnered the notoriety of years past. Whoever's fault that is, I don't know. Honestly, I think um, it's because of the I think it's Urban Myers in Ohio State. Exactly. Urban Meyer, I think Nick it's Bosa. Urban Myers doing. Ohio State also not really playing up to their potential throughout most of the year. I, I'll give Dwayne Haskins credit. He set Big Ten records this year. I think he's had individually had a great season, but that team just hasn't really had it. That coaching staff, for the most part, yeah. just hasn't really had it, and I don't I don't think you reward the team over one game because that's the most lasting memory because this team just one week ago was ranked 10th behind UCF. And Mm -hmm. now you want to – if Oklahoma loses and and everything else happens, Ohio State wins out, sure, then they should go in. But if Oklahoma wins, I think they got to be in. If Georgia wins, Oklahoma wins, Ohio State wins. But Georgia wins by four points, three points. Bama's Georgia in. A one loss Bama's. Bama's in. one loss Bama's obviously in. It's yeah. Bama, oh, yeah, Georgia. Notre Dame, Clemson, and then Georgia. I think at that point you see Clemson. Georgia go controls to, their own destiny. Yeah. I think you'd see Clemson go to one. I think you'd see Georgia two, Notre Dame three, Bama four, because I think they'd want to change up the matchups. And then if they can guarantee themselves a Clemson Bama matchup, I think they'd want to do that. Yeah. I just or don't know or jump drop. Georgia. I don't know if they drop Bama to four. Maybe I think they it'd be jump Georgia, Georgia one, one, Bama two, Bama two Clemson, Clemson three, or, no, Notre Clemson, Dame four. Clemson two, Bama three, Notre Dame four. You think um, so? Uh, I, I think an undefeated Clemson would be ranked ahead of a one loss Alabama. Of even that one loss Bama. to Georgia. But uh, again, that's just that's split in hairs. Forget that's the committee. Just have me and you sit in the room. And then yeah. on Sunday, we'll do that on Saturday. Sunday, we call an offense. It's done. I keep hearing now. I'm not sure how, <laughs> how, how often you tune into, you know, the daytime TV argument shows, listen to talk radio, but the talk this time of year is always, you know, do they need to expand the playoff? Does it need to go to eight teams? No one Good ever, blazer, yes. no one ever talks about my six team idea, and I think it's a crime. I think the, the six, I think the six team expansion is so much better than eight because it, if you if you bring in eight teams this year, then you're opening up the debate to three lost teams and. As much as I love what LSU has done this year, they've had some good moments. They beat some good teams. Three loss team probably doesn't deserve to play for a national championship. I don't care if you lost. It's you lost be, three times. If no, you have, it, if you what have it is, six it's teams, not, it wouldn't have to be a three loss team because it wouldn't be eye test. It would be eight teams, Power Five, conference champion, automatic bid, and three at larges. But at larges aren't going to be. Well, see, then I think, aren't going to be three lost some, teams. I think some of those at larges are because I think it, the years you get the years you get conference championship chalk, kind of like this year, where yeah. you have you know Oklahoma. That's what you Ohio want State. in that format, though. I think, but they, does, does a three loss Washington winning the Pac-12 or a three loss Utah deserve to play for college football? Like I don't, I'm not sure that's true. Yeah. I don't think just because you what if you want a conference in a down year, if Ohio State beats Northwestern, I love Northwestern, don't get me wrong, but to, okay. should that be like, should that count that much and hold that much no, weight? I'm saying. not really sure. But I think yeah. if you go to the 16 playoff, that makes being one or two that much more important. That that makes, that gives Bama or Clemson or, I mean, Notre Dame to an extent, whatever, this year, like something more to play for. Like, 
it's it's more than just winning games. If it means you have to play, you get to play one less playoff game, or may, if it means being a three or four over a five or six means maybe you even get to host the game at some point, which I know would never happen because there's not enough money in that. But still, if you hold actually have some meaning into those one, two, three, four, five, six seedings instead mm-hmm. of just you know you guys are the top four. Who cares? We're playing. I, I think it holds a lot more value and makes those games, those seedings, those numbers even that much more valuable. I see what you're saying. Yeah. And a one-loss Ohio State team, if they go out and throttle Northwestern this weekend, probably does deserve a, a chance. But they're not going to get it because if Oklahoma wins, because you know Oklahoma's resume is that much better. But it'd be hard to argue that Ohio State hasn't looked good enough at, at points to at least warrant a game or a shot. But with only four, they don't. Yeah, I I like the idea. I think you put it on paper, you mail it to. Uh, who, who do to I ma- who do I send that to? I think you know, one I'm NCAA gonna, way. I'm, I'm going to send it the, to you. I'm going to send it to you. Uh, you, you I'll got, get it. The, I'll get it to the right. You hands, know more yeah, people sure. than I do. You get for it to sure. somebody. Just put it on somebody's Matt, desk. You know, that's you know, a, yeah. I'll send it over we'll to Chance Delaney. I'll, I'll get it in the right mail desk. slot. Yeah, we'll run it up the flagpole, as they say. <laughs> um, uh, Matt, you know we know we love nothing more than to uh, butt up some some uh, college football student athlete talk with a little bit of betting. So oh, why don't yeah. we uh, why don't we talk lock of the week here? Uh, as we pivot to uh, to some gambling games, uh, we both won with last the, week. We did both win last week, which has myself sitting at seven and five on the season. You sitting at five and seven. I maintain a two game lead on you. I dug myself uh, into too deep of a hole early on, Joe. You did. It was you started out what zero and four, zero and three, something like that. I think I was like um, one. I think I was one and four, something like that. Yeah, it was bad. something rough, but but you're back. You're back to respectable air. And if you keep this thing moving, who knows? You might. Uh, you might have another dozen of Joe's balls coming your way. I'd rather not. Have you played those yet, or is no? It's, those it's, not uh, out? There's the snow on the ground off. here, Joe. Nice. Um, so those, yeah, so Joe's so, balls are just sitting in your bag, huh? Yeah. Okay, just, that was that's wrong. Yeah, um, they're sitting. In, now, they're why, actually why in my you, room. Why don't you give us a lock of the week, Matt? <laughs> I'm gonna go a little bit off the uh, off the rails here, a little bit full degenerate on you, but okay. I'm gonna take the Buffalo University wow. Bulls in the MAC championship game. Laying four against Northern Illinois. I've had bad luck betting against Northern this year, but I've had some great luck with Buffalo. I'm riding with Buffalo. I've watched just about every Maction game they've played in, and I love the way they play. They're a good, fun team to watch. I think Give Garrett me the Wolf Bulls. deserves a trip to New York. Give Garrett me the Wolf Bulls. deserves a trip to New York. <laughs> uh, Jordan Lynch deserves a trip to New York. Didn't That's he get one? Didn't he go to New York? He did. Yes, yeah, he, he, was at the, he was at the announcement. Who won that? That was the... Was the Johnny Football year? Was that the year? Was that the year that they went? Um, they were supposed to be all that good, and then they went and got blown out in the MAC championship like game. That, I think yeah. by by a Dino Babers led Bowling Green team, who's now you know one of the hottest head coaches in the country uh, in terms of, of looking for jobs. But yeah, with the Cuse. Um, but yeah, give me the bowl. I, I love the MAC championship game. I love MAC and it's it's college football at its purest. I believe. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go Buffalo. I've watched them a lot this year. I like the way they play. They're they're a good squad. Give me Buffalo minus four. Like Max Champs, the Bulls. Side, side note, uh, did you hear the Francesa clip? It was probably about a month ago. Who's Dino Babers? So, That's a made-up name. The, Who's Dino, Dino yeah, Babers? Is this a crank call? You crank calling? Who Dino? I never never heard of him. Never heard of him. Dino Babers. Hilarious. I love uh, that Matt, I love that show. I, I like to keep, uh, as you know, I like to keep my, uh, my picks in the NFL, so I'm going to take us back to the NFL. I like Seattle covering 10 at home against the lowly San Francisco 49ers. Not a uh, Nick is Mullins a, believer? I, no, I love Nick Mullins. I believe in him. I mean, I've, I've 
been around the team a little bit. I've covered the team on a daily basis. It's there's a there's a waning focus right now in Santa Clara, and understandably so. They've had to deal with a lot this season in terms of injury. Uh, last week, you get your star linebacker arrested at the team hotel on domestic abuse charges for the second time in in twelve months. Uh, obviously, a distraction. Um, I think that Kyle Shanahan's done a great job with what he's had at his hands and what he's had to deal with. And I think this franchise will turn around and rather quickly when, when Jarek McKinnon's healthy, when Jimmy Garoppolo's healthy, you got an emerging tight end in George Kittle. There are some missing pieces on the back end defensively. There are some missing pieces when it comes to pass rush defensively, but they're not far, far off, but they're a team who's battling for the first overall pick right now. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, while, while tanking is not something you do, uh, Visibly, it's something in, you're conscious of. It's I something feel like that week Saquon week Barkley, Saquon Barkley ran for a hundred yards in the first half last week, and then what, touched three the ball touches, four I think, times in the second, in the second half. half, something like that. So there are certain ways that teams are dialing it back. It's the Giants, the Raiders, and the 49ers battling for that first overall pick. I and think, I think you might another see common an effort to maybe dial it back from the Niners. This some, week. Something else with the three of those teams too, that they all have three head coaches that are all fairly secure in their jobs. I mean, you got two first years that mm-hmm. Shermer and Gruden that aren't going anywhere. Shanahan. Well, obviously the team's not very good. I think he's as safe as just about anybody in the NFL this year because of how good mm-hmm. of a job he's done with that team. Those are three coaches that have probably had discussions with their general managers and, and owners, whatever. I think they're all on the same page. And like, yeah, let, let's develop them for a little while for let's a half. Let's go be competitive. Let's, but be, a let's compete the for the a while world. and let, let's know what, what's really going to make this team better for the long term, especially when you three aren't really coaching for your jobs at this point. You guys are safe. Yeah. And uh, that's why I'm taking Seattle covering Lock it at up. home. Lock it in against the 49ers. Man, I just I, there's there's some makeup games this week, Joe. So like because of the hurricane mm-hmm. stuff, and I think Stanford and California was because of the, uh, the the fires over there. Which how are you doing by the way? Is that affecting you at all? Uh, the air quality here was the worst in the entire world, and I'm not saying that as a uh, that's as like good. an overstatement. No, I, be sensational. It was worse than Hong Kong for a six day stretch. And you couldn't see 15 feet in front of you because Sacramento is, it's the Sacramento Valley. Yeah. Um, the smoke came in and not to say that we were affected by the fires at all because people lost everything Mm -hmm. about two and a half hours North of us, but you're you're still affected in your own way. While it might not be as severe as others. The wind blew right into the Valley. Uh, San Francisco got it pretty bad. Oakland got it pretty bad, but there was about a six day stretch where I was, no lie. I, when I was leaving the house to walk the dog or to even just go run errands, I was putting on a mask. You know, yeah. we were we were wearing masks. So luckily, it's moved out. We've had some rain these last few days and uh, some winds to push it out. So we're back to uh, to the to the dream that Northern California oh, rain is. in it California. Is, it's wow. well, that, apparently that's their winter. Like we get like ten days of rain, and that's what they call winter here. So we're, we're oh, kind it's of on the tail end this week here. We're on the tail end of that. And yes. it's no I, gol- I golfed on Monday. So yeah, I it's, saw. There's, I saw your there's worse things. the hell it was. Oh, and so. No, to, no. To pat, don't to pat rub my, it in no, my no, face. No, no, no. Don't rub I'm it not going to rub face. it in. I'm going to tie this full circle to your question. To pat myself on the back here, it was. So every day I would get an email through work because we'd get air quality and we'd have to, obviously, our news side was doing stories on it all the time. So we were getting the air quality emails and it was uninhabitable, terrible, whatever these big words were that they had for it. And the first day that it was, um, 
oh, what did it, it downgraded to like whatever dark yellow was. We were red for a while. Dark yellow was like unhealthy. I was like, it's we're good. We're good to go. I threw a mask on and I golfed in a mask uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, it was shout, shout out you. You're the real hero here. It was yeah. love of the game. It was oh, pure yeah. love of the game. Um, was sinking putts with a 3M mask on. It was good stuff. Shout out, shout out, Joe. He's uh, he's he's <laughs> he's not the hero we need right now, but the one that we deserve. I think, I think it's the, the, way the way other way around. around. Whatever. I think it's the other way around. But uh, I, I, thought, well, thought, thought you'd enjoy that anecdote, Matt. But that was I, I am actually for, happy for you. for our Moose and Runes golf listeners. Then yeah. uh, then then that's that's for you. But that's I'm, a per- I'm, perfect tie-in. I'm less than a month out from some golf, Joe. I'll be in Florida less than, or I'll actually be home from Florida by now at this time for a month from now. So I got some got some tee times coming up in a little bit less than better, a month. There, I'm pretty excited. Better get better get to the indoor maybe gotta gotta find the indoor facility yeah you know two two years ago joe i I threw out my lower back not having this exact trip i threw out the back and i'm guessing because i went down and played golf and swung golf club for the first time in a couple months threw it out the last day before heading home it was not it was not a fun trip down there (laughs) well it's not a fun Uh, trip home that uh, that leads us perfectly into a little bit of golf talk here on the Moose and Runes podcast. The Hero World Challenge this this coming weekend, beginning today, yeah, Thursday. If you're listening to this on Thursday, We're coming full uh, circle. Full circle. It was a year ago. Tiger Woods made his his uh, back fusion debut, uh, returning from injury, and and what a year it was. Uh, putting a lot of the naysayers to sleep, not only returning to being able to swing the club, but being competitive on the golf course, and mm-hmm. then. Uh, winning the tour championship there at the end of the year. Um, I, I think that this is going to be a nice uh, a nice moment for Tiger. Sur- it's an invitational with a bunch of the best players in the world in the Bahamas. He's going to be surrounded by his best friends, and I think there's going to be some uh, some cool moments maybe to see this weekend at the Hero World Challenge. I think that uh, this is going to be a very telling year for Tiger's career. Not to say that last year's wasn't, but to be able to put together two back-to-back years where you are pain-free and playing golf, I think uh, might be a good sign for the next half decade here for Tiger. Yeah, uh, I'm just. We were talking about this before the podcast. It doesn't seem like it was already a year ago, and I guess that's kind of how mm-hmm. time flies. But it, it's it's been obviously a banner year for him, and I'm, I'm probably going to tune into at least a little bit here on the Golf Channel because I believe they are showing some of it just kind of for some for for some nostalgia stake. But uh, I, I'm. I'm excited to see, like you said, if he can kind of put these two years two years together and kind of make this more of a back-to-back regular occurrence type thing instead of being a flash in the pan year. He said a couple times in interviews that he thinks towards the end of the season he was pushing it a little bit, said pretty much what we all thought about him at the Ryder Cup, that he was tired and that maybe you know, guess, yeah. maybe that many tournaments and, and that many, I think he said six and eight weeks was just too much, which I think we could have probably guessed for him. Um, but I, I think he knows his body a little bit better now. I think he knows his limitations a little better now. He, he's kind of laid off. He, he's pushed it towards the end and kind of knows where to find that, hopefully knows where to find that kind of happy medium. And uh, I think next year you kind of see him build off this year and be maybe even better and hopefully get that, that next major for him. And I do believe he said, I think we're going to see a little bit less of him playing between majors. I think he's going to Which temper I, yeah. his his uh his schedule a little bit more to what we've seen out of phil for the last maybe four or five years um i think we're gonna see him in big tournaments and that's really all we need to yeah. see of him if, it, if that's gonna make him more competitive in those tournaments then perfect you're gonna be right there at the end of the season in the fedex cup anyway because you're placing well in the bigger tournaments yeah i, I think you saw him like we kind of try to figure out where his limits were. that's why we saw probably a little bit more than we 
thought we would from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like, and like I was saying, I think he knows them now, and I think he kind of knows what his schedule is. I wouldn't be surprised if he already kind of has a plan mapped out for the tournaments he's playing this year. Um, but I, I think we'll see a smarter Tiger and, and probably an even healthier one if he, he can figure out, and has nice, no reason to believe he can't, uh, what schedule is going to be most conducive for his, his health and his back. He's not playing this weekend, but don't you dare sleep on my boy Cam Champ this season. I think uh, we see another. He won in. He won in you're, the crossover. You're seeing, that, the you're seeing that name come up a lot more, and like the, the guys are so impressed. With, guys he's on the cover of Golf on Digest. Tour. A couple, couple he's ago. on the cover of Golf Digest. Guys on tour are so impressed with his game. Not only his distance, but the you way gonna he's going to get him on the podcast. Or how's that I, I don't know if I'll be able to get him on the pod, but we are rooting for this kid because twenty just years ask. from now. 20 years from now when he's got a few majors under his belt and the name Cam Champ resonates, you know who had, you know who had the interview on, on the eve of his PGA Tour debut? You. Moose. Moose of the Moose and Runes podcast. Okay? Yeah, thank we're you gonna, for saying we're gonna that. Bring that one back. We're going to bring that one back. Exactly why you can probably get him on the podcast, now. Joe, because you have yeah, that connection save with him. We'll save that git for a post-master's win. For after his green jacket? Okay. I feel Ooh, that's fair. I, I like that. That's a kind of. It's going to be long odds, but he's got he's got the distance. He's, he's got to he's got to make it first, Joe. I mean, green jacket. He's got to qualify. Green jacket. I know. A little green jacket. He no. He's qualified. His win. His win qualified him. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 you're right. You're right. You're right. Hand that up. That was part That's of his win. So he'll he'll be in the field this year at the Masters. Um, but uh, maybe we digress. Us, maybe we, can get us some tickets. Who knows? We, we digress here a little bit, Matt. Uh, we haven't done a grievance in a while, so we're going to have you tee up the grievance music. And this is going to be a mixture of Matt's Hockey Minute. It's and a fusion airing, like Tiger's Back. We're fusing grievances. two segments together. Look at you. You're a professional. Hit it. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. No. You're gonna hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind? Cause I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Um, so I, I we haven't talked Blackhawks really since the Quenville firing thing, and with this good isn't uh, with good reason. This isn't a knock on their new head coach because I'm not sure he's Jeremy Colleton has much to work with. Or uh, Honestly, the more I watch this team, the more I'm thinking Stan Bowman actually indirectly did Joel Quenville a favor by not making him coach this group. But it's just, if you look at this roster that Stan Bowman's put together, it's just a miserable, miserable excuse of a hockey team, honestly. Wow. If, you, if you look at the blue line that he's put together, I mean, there's... You could have Nicholas Jalmerson for $5 million this year, which, yeah, probably a little bit of an overpayment. Or they have, I believe, $9 million tied up in Brandon Manning, who stinks. Eric Gustafson, who's okay, but probably a six-pairing defenseman. Connor Murphy, who hasn't played a, a single minute this year. And Jan Ruda, who can't stay in the lineup. So mm-hmm. he's got $9 million tied up in you know four defensemen, one of which is pretty much serviceable at this point, or Nicholas Jalmerson. I think I would have taken Nicholas Jalmerson. Um, he just traded Nick Schmaltz, who has seen it, which I actually think is the right move because Nick Schmaltz is, was terrible this year. But a guy who he, he originally saw as you know one of the core guys going forward just traded him for you know a an underachieving top three draft pick from a couple years ago and a top nine forward. So uh, th- there's that. That's what you got for one of your, your top prospects, if you want to call him that. Um, Corey Crawford, I can't really blame him because he's got nothing to work with. I can't really blame many of the stars for this team because they don't have much help going around them. But just the, the supporting cast Stan Bowman's put around, he, he says he was looking for speed. 
And after the, the, the trade last year when they traded Richard Panic and got Anthony Duclair, he bragged about you know the speed and the youth he has on this team and all the players he mentioned that press conference that he was happy about, excited about, are now off the team and elsewhere. Um, he's he, Since he said they have the youngest, fastest team in the NHL, he's since made them older and slower. So I, I don't really know what's going <laughs> on there. Um, I'm kind of ranting here, but this is all – I'm just more going on what's – I think this is the, the true nature of the grievance is just being angry about something and saying whatever comes to mind. Get it out. Let it out. He's kind of ruined the team. He's he's pretty much just for the most part. If you look back at all the trades they've made since you know the the cap you know the cap sacrifice and all that stuff where they've been in cap hell, which that that's my favorite myth. Now the Blackhawks are in quote unquote cap hell. They have five point mm-hmm. four million in cap space this year, and that's that, that that's not that much. And the like, like I said, he's pretty much dedicated nine million dollars to four crap defensemen for the most part. Um, so, so they're not in cap hell anymore. The, the, they're in a fine cap situation. They're going to have some room to spend this offseason. Hopefully Stan's not the one really making those decisions because I don't think he's earned that. Um, but th- that, that's, that, that's not really the case anymore. I know it was the narrative through the, the cup years, and it was. But they're not in that situation anymore. But every guy, he's pretty much dumped from that situation. He's made the wrong move or not really gotten enough back. And I believe it's mm-hmm. Blackhaw- every Blackhawks first-round pick since 2011 is no longer on the team anymore. So I, I think the way you navigate through the cap era, which we've seen the Penguins do masterfully, is you hit on your draft picks and you have young, cheap talent, and they haven't been able to do that at all. Name me like one Blackhawks homegrown draft pick outside of Alex Dabrinkit on this team now that you can say has been, wow, boy, that guy really hit. That guy really stayed here and helped us out. I mean, yeah. since, since they've that last cup in 2015, none of those draft picks have been like, wow, that guy's been really helpful so far. That guy looks like a piece of the future. They've swung and missed in the draft. And that's, I mean, for me, that's that's the most important thing. It's not free agency. It's not trading. It's who you can hit on in the draft and how you scout. And they haven't been able to do that. So that's my rant. I, I know I was a little bit all over the place there. I tried to keep it calm. Uh, but the the franchise and the dynasty we love, and this has nothing to do with, with the head coaching decision. This has nothing to do with the core players on the team right now. This has everything to do with the pieces they've put around them and, and the guy calling the shots upstairs. Yeah. And he just, he's failed. There, there's no other way to look at the, these last two seasons is a massive failure. This is a team that two years ago was first in the Western Conference, won the Western Conference, all that stuff. And, I mean, they've been pretty much driven into the ground. It's a far cry from that. and It's, it's a total shame because um, it was all on the table there. You had the fan base ignited. You had the roster. Um, you had the chance to be a powerhouse for another and you still have some, however long. I mean, like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane my, are still that's very my good question. players right now. But that's my question: Are they fielding calls right now? No. for names like Jonathan th- Taves, Patrick Kane. No, because pieces I, of the core. I don't. Th- first off, I don't think, uh, especially in season, I don't think you would ever see John McDonough clear that because yeah. if, if that was, I know they have all their season tickets, obviously season tickets in season that's are sold. That, but you're losing everything. You, you are losing. It. If you trade those guys back in the to the dark you're ages, losing back to every, $12 you're, you're losing, seats in the 300. You're lo- which, hey, you know, that was kind of fun for me. I got Not to go to for super cheap. <laughs> right? um, this team still has a chance in the offseason because while the recent draft picks haven't been great, there are some younger guys coming up that I, I think they're high on. There's some young defensemen on the way that I, I mentioned on the podcast that they're high on. And if they can go out and use and stop saying that they have a cap deficiency because they don't, that they, they actually mm-hmm. in a good cap situation this offseason, if they can go out and you know 
There's rumors out there that Artemi Panarin's open to a reunion. If they can go out and get Artemi Panarin, you know, have some of these defensemen come up and be, you know, impact players immediately. Maybe add a defenseman, figure out a way to trade for, you know, number four, number three defenseman. Then mm-hmm. I think you're in a pretty good situation. I, I don't think this team's that far off. It's just they've supported them with the completely wrong role players, in, in, in my opinion. That, that's kind of been it. The, the core is still kind of there. The role players they've surrounded with them, them with are just not good at hockey, which is a problem when you're supposed to play hockey. Well, that's, that's Matt's hockey that's grievance my, minute. Yeah, right it was there. more than a minute, but that's because it was a grievance. Exactly. You give you, you give you a little extra time there. Uh, I think it was well synthesized, and uh, I hope you feel better, Matt. I feel a little. Else. I feel a little bit better because I've been <laughs> I've been keeping quiet the last little while, um, trying to you know just keep myself a little bit sane. You know, buy mm-hmm. my, have myself buy into well everything's okay. I was kind of the, uh, the 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 gif with the dog sitting at the table saying this is fine with the fire around him. With the fire, and now yeah, I, yeah. now I kind of just let it out. I got out of the house. I, I let Good. my I let my yell out. I screamed a little bit. And now you know I'm, I'm doing. I feel a little bit better. I'm glad you're feeling better, Matt. Let's jump into some buy or sell. Get you get you out of here on the right note. Okay, I'll, I'll, can I start off then? Because I, I just did Absolutely. all the talking. I'm gonna ask you a quick question. I'll let you do the talk. Absolutely. Uh, buy or sell, Joe? Kyler Murray deserves the Heisman over Tua Tagovailoa. Do you like how I pronounced that? Pronounce that the right way. I did. That was nice. Yeah. Uh, sell. I think that, and I'm not looking at their numbers side to side. I think Kyler Murray is your prototypical Heisman Award winner. Uh, not going to do anything at the next level, probably because he won't play at the next level, mm-hmm. but um, kind of run around, does it all, finds a way to win. But you're talking about the quarterback of the most dominant team that we've possibly ever seen in in this Alabama squad. And it hasn't been the game manager, A.J. McCarron, no. uh, McAvoy. Two is the reason they're as good as they are. Exactly. Tua is the reason that they are this dominant. It's usually the run game. It's usually the defense. It's Tua this year. And that's why I'm convinced that Tua was the Heisman favorite. Tua proved himself to be the Heisman favorite. Tua's currently the Heisman favorite. And barring a seven-interception SEC championship game, Tua should be the Heisman champion. So I, I guess to play devil's advocate, I can see – I'm not – I think I lean towards Tua, but I don't think it's as clear-cut, you know, black and white as you do. I, I, I think both are kind of deserving of the award, and I, I can't say I would be against either one if, if they ended up winning. The reason I kind of lean towards Kyler Murray is, yeah, I think we've seen now this year two in a row with what Baker did last year. This is a system that's very quarterback favorable. But mm-hmm. Kyler's actually been in some – and this is – partially his doing, partially his defenses, but Kyler's actually been in some situations where he's kind of just had to put the team on his back. He hasn't had a defense that's going to go out there and have his back and make a stop when they need it or put him in a position to be up 30 at halftime like Tua kind of has. Kyler's played a little bit under pressure more than than Tua has, and I think that has an impact for me, and I I might be picking it, you know, drawn straws here, whatever, but... um, that, I think, should hold some weight. He's been in positions where, yeah, i got to go down and I have to have a late-second drive, a, a position for a Heisman moment. He, he had a couple of those in the West Virginia game. He, he's had those close games, those battles that kind of stick out in your head where, you know, two is up, and this is a lot, a lot of his doing, but also part of his, his great defense, too, is, you know, two is up 24 at halftime every week where you don't really yeah. see those impact plays, have those standout moments. So th- that's why I think I lean a little bit more towards Kyler Murray. Um, but, I mean, if Tua wins it, obviously he's incredibly deserving as well. I don't think there's a wrong answer between those two. 
I think it'll be a lot of fun because I can't really remember too many years in the recent past where it, it has been still decided. in question. Exactly, where it was still in question when they were sitting there. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, when Chris Fowler announces the winner, that uh, it could be there's going to be an element of surprise to it. Yeah, I'm with you. That, that should actually make me want to watch the Heisman Trophy presentation this year. Uh, still, call me at the last 10 minutes of it. That's Fair all enough. I need. Fair enough. Uh, Matt, by You don't want to see show. Ron Dane out, uh, out on the stage early on and, and all those guys? <laughs> Uh, rest in peace. I used to always enjoy seeing the fryer up there, though Johnny yeah. Latner. Um, that was that was good stuff, and it is nice to see those guys standing up there. And it is. It's, it's always cool. See, I just more it's like a, seeing the the running back, not the, right, but the players more like from the '90s and early 2000s, the one like where we kind of grew up with, kind of like first remembering college football. Like, wow, that guy. Uh, he doesn't look like a yeah. football player anymore. <laughs> yeah, Eric Crouch. What happened? Uh, <laughs> Well, I used to see him a bunch more when I was at Lincoln, and uh, he was a nice guy. And he's not in playing shape, but he looks good. Oh. Kid looks good. Time, Kid father, looks time good. is undefeated, Joe. Matt, buy or sell, and I'm just going to pose this as a general sure. buy or sell. Nothing sure. really specific about it. Buy or sell, you felt like, and this is going to be also in quote. This is more of a figure of speech because I didn't pay for it, and you still got to watch it. Buy or sell, you felt like you got your money's worth with the Tiger and Phil match. Buy or sell, it lived up to your expectation. I liked it. I don't. I don't really know. I can't say it lived up to my expectation because I'm not sure I really had an expectation for it. Just because yeah, exactly. I, I didn't what know what to expect. expect. Um, it was fun. It, it was entertaining. I think if you took it for what it was, you had fun watching it. Was it worth twenty bucks? Probably not. But would I do it again if you know next year? Maybe it wasn't Tiger and Phil. They had DJ and Brooks. I, I probably would. I think that's kind of my hope here is that this leads to more matches between, mm-hmm. I guess, younger guys. No offense to Tiger and Phil. Um, but uh, I, I didn't I, I didn't like the ending. Uh, we, we talked about this. I, I know that, you know, they played a lot of golf and they're older guys and probably didn't want to keep playing more and more holes of golf. But they were also, you know, dropping on a putting green and hitting to a green for, you know, deciding $9 million, which for me kind of took like away the from the yardage was bit. wrong. Who hits a 93-yard shot, especially off of yeah, a putting was, green? That's why you saw Tiger have a teed so high. It was just... There were so many things that were great about it, and so many things that were awful about it. Yeah, it, it was it I, was a fun match with a. I think they handled it the wrong way at the end. Just keep. I know it's it's tough, but either find a par three to go play or play the par five. Like you knew, once it got competitive, there's nine million dollars on the line. These guys were going to stop talking to each other, yeah. and there wasn't enough on course. There wasn't enough uh, interviewing of celebrities that were there there yep. wasn't enough side bets and it came out after it that the pga tour regulated side bets too they said they could only have four total side bets outside of the nine million i did not read stupid. that that's just stupid yeah the and so you have four par threes there's your four side bets so you the couldn't PGA, even do so you couldn't even do one of the par threes because the initial bet of two hundred thousand on the first hole was the first side wager so the, the pga regulated the, the amount of money they could donate to charity is what you're telling me no, no, no. The side bets were out of pocket. The side the, bets yeah, were the side bets were out of pocket. I thought going to charity, like the loser was paying oh, yeah. to charity. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't I'm know fairly certain how. the side bets were, they were coming out of pocket, but like, you know, if Phil won the side bet, Tiger was donating to Phil's Got charity. It. Got so, it. Um, good yes, job, they, they regulated that. I think that, like you said, it's the framework for something that could be a lot of fun. I think miking the players up was the coolest part of it. You got mm-hmm. to see a little bit of 
um, you know, pre-shot, watching Tiger, you know, just even just his breathing before hitting a putt, like a nice deep breath, exhale every single putt. Like it just kind of seeing those things that you don't see on a weekend to weekend basis on the PGA Tour, I thought were really cool. That's why I think if you could line up a four ball matchup between some mixture of Brooks, DJ, Justin and JT or Justin and uh, Ricky, Ricky, um, or you get Spieth in there yeah. somehow. I, that group of guys where you get some smack talk amongst four guys, that's when that thing's really going to shine. I yeah, think that's I think this what was they the, saw, hopefully. This was the guinea pig. Like This was the, this had yeah. never really been done before, and I, I, miss, I think they did some things well. They did some things not so well. And I think you kind of hope they learn from this, build on it, and kind of move on and, and learn how to make these better. Because I think this is good for the game, absolutely. It's good for the exposure of the players, and, and this is one way to maybe get those guys that you listed, those those four or five guys we just talked about, the same guys we talk about as you know jockeying for best player on the tour now. You know, get those guys more exposure, more familiar with you know the casual golf fan. And I think that's how you kind of develop a new star. But hopefully, they kind of learn from this, and, and we see improvements next time this come around. It's not just Tiger and Phil every time. Sounds good, Matt. Yeah. Hit me. Uh, what was my was my baseball? Is that what I was asking? I don't know. <laughs> Dude, what was your? What's your next one? What are you doing? Is there is this a production meeting or is this a podcast? I forgot what my, my second buy or sell was. Mine's Mayfield regarding Mayfield. Oh, okay, comments. then yeah, I did have baseball. I, said, I was right. I was right. Um, buy or sell? Matt, the, the rumor is Madison Bumgarner's on the on the block, which you might know mm-hmm. something about because you live out there. You're working out there. Buy or sell? Yep. Madison Bumgarner is a fit on either side of town here, the the north or the south side. Um, I'm going to sell it. Madison Bumgarner is not going to come cheap and he's long in the tooth. He's going to probably want a five-year contract, something along those lines after this season. And I think this is just a situation of the Giants chumming the waters because they don't want to get rid of him for nothing at year's end. Um, They're going to try and get a top prospect for him. They're going to try and have a team bite on. I don't think he's worth it anymore. He's... He's been injured for the last two years. He hasn't been able to put together a full season. I saw more of him here in Sacramento than the San Francisco fans almost got to see of him this year, mm-hmm. um, just on rehab starts. And not to knock the guy because he's had a fantastic career, but he doesn't have the mental makeup or the approach of a guy that is going to be okay not being the ace. Madison Bumgarner loves Madison Bumgarner, and he's going to want to be the marquee guy, the guy that's on the side of the building, the guy that is part of the marketing plan. He's going to want to be the guy who still thinks he's a 20 win guy. He's just not that anymore. And if they're asking for your top pitching prospect, you could keep it moving down Mm -hmm. the road. Is he a fit? Would he fit on the Cubs for the right price? Yeah. Would he fit on the Sox rotation for the price? Yeah. I mean, he's, if you can keep him healthy, he's 13 wins. He's 12, 12 to 15 wins guaranteed, and he's a big name that might get some fans in the seats every fifth day. Yeah, but the price isn't going to be right. And the Giants even came out because uh, the two teams that were interested or that inquired about him in the Brewers and the Phillies, um, Brewers and Braves, Brewers and Phillies, I forget what it was, but Brewers, Brewers and somebody, them. yeah, they, I don't think they wanted to pay the price. And now the Giants have come out and say, you know what? We're not really, we're not fielding anything serious about Madison right now. It was all a product of, so the Giants knew general manager, um, 
head of baseball operations, Farhan Zaidi, who came from the Dodgers, who's assistant GM there for the last, I think, three or four years. Mm-hmm. Um, in his opening press conference, he sat down and he said, no one's off the table. We're trying to get a winning product on the field, and, and there's nobody on this team um, that is bigger than our 10-year goal. You know, So I think that's what garnered the interest in Baumgartner. Is he a giant come the trade deadline this year? I don't think so. But I think that someone's going to have to make a big, big uh, compromise, whether that be the Giants or who's going to pay for them. Yeah. Um, so long story short, I don't think he fits on either side of town because right now the asking, asking price is way too much. Yeah, I, I don't want the Sox to make a trade for him. If at the you know, next offseason rolls around and say he has a pretty decent year and is open to that, I, I think he could be the right guy. Show me you to, can start 30 games this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. You know? Show I, me you can I'm, start not, 30 I'm games. not trading a top prospect for a guy who started, what, 15 games each of the last two years. Uh, the I, velocity I, numbers are down. It's all the a 30-year-old pitcher slowing down. Have a show-me year, and if you're good at the – if you have a good year and you, you're – I'm not breaking the bank to sign him with, you know, or I guess, I guess in terms of years I won't break the bank to sign him, but if he has a great year – Maybe go out and give him a shot because I think on the south side, I don't think he's a fit on the Cubs at all. I, I don't really see how he fits there. I think they already have a ton of money tied up in pitching. Um, I, they, they have some talent, I believe, coming up as well. So I, I don't think he's really much of a fit there. I don't think they need another 30-plus-year-old arm uh, in that rotation, which is what it'll be next year. But I think on the south side, if you're looking for a guy, an older guy who's still got something left in the tank to kind of be the head, lead the charge of a very young talented staff he might not be the worst guy in the world but again i'm not i'm not trading for him because like you said that asking price is going to be sky high and there's no reason to trade you know and, top prospects for that and to be honest with you matt i i've been around madison in a couple different clubhouses whether it be here in sacramento um at spring training around the giants uh opening day with the giants a couple other times he's not a problem in the clubhouse i've never seen him be a problem but he's an introvert he's he wants he wants the locker next to him on the right and left to be empty so he can kind of have his space. Okay. And if that's how a guy operates, more power to you. But it's an interesting dynamic to bring into a clubhouse. Mm-hmm. It might not be a seamless transition into a new group of guys, I guess is my point. Okay. Interesting. Well, yeah. All right. You got something for me? Yeah, uh, Matt, buy or sell Baker Mayfield's comments regarding Hugh Jackson. Uh, I think everyone knows what happened there, all of our listeners. But uh, after the game, got lobbed up a question, and I think he knocked it out of the park. Buy or sell his answer. I mean, I was cool with it in the post-game press conference. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, okay, if that's how I feel, fine. I don't really – I don't get the whole ripping him for – leaving for Cincinnati. He just left for a job because he got a job mm-hmm. offer, which is what you do when you get fired from a job. You take the next job that's offered to you. Good. Another one? Um, I, I, if you wanted to come out and sit, you know, rip Hugh Jackson for in that media tour Hugh Jackson did for you know those that week or two he was fired, he basically said to anyone who would listen, he wanted every quarterback but Baker Mayfield. So if you wanted to get mad at that, have a chip on your shoulder for that, okay, fine. The whole job thing going to the Bengals was a, a weird hill to die on. But again, if, if he was that passion in that moment okay fine i'm buying that i'm selling the fact that he's still talking about it now like you're you're done it was it was last week you played cincinnati you beat cincinnati you beat you i'm not sure if they're done with them for the season but for now you're on to next week you're still while you're not in the you're not probably not making the playoffs you're still not officially out of it yet 
and who knows what can happen if you go on a run. So let's let's focus on the rest of the year and let's not be talking about Hugh Jackson on Wednesday when you got a big game coming Sunday. Yeah, I, I agree. I, what I liked about it is, and I think what's been lost a little bit in this is, this is a guy who understands his position as the quarterback of a franchise that's trying to become relevant for the first time in forever. And he's galvanizing a group. It's an us versus them move. And Hugh Jackson became them the second he left. And yeah, you go get another job, whether it's with the rival down the road or on the other side of the country or in the CFL, you got to do what you got to do. Coaching is a fickle, fickle job. And and you're always going to be looking for the next thing, whether (laughs) you're Nick Saban or you're Hugh Jackson. You know, you got to look out for number one when you're a coach. And that's what Hugh Jackson did. But you're going to open yourself up to some criticism. I don't like the people are criticizing Baker Mayfield for his criticism. Mm-hmm. He's got every right to say how he, he he feels when asked the question. And if he's going to use that platform and that question to galvanize his group, more power to you, Baker. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I just I think it it should have been a closed matter. I mean, it's dragged people, on. Obviously, people are going to keep asking. But it hasn't people. dragged on under Baker's accord. It's dragged on under Booger McFarland and all the pundits' accord. But no, but I mean, didn't he? He commented on it again this week to the press, which I guess yeah, because I, people kept going. What, he, what I'm they, saying, the press is, kept it going. I've made my comment on that, and <clears> I think that's where you can kind of draw the line to the press. But like, hey, look, guys, like I already told you how I felt about that. That that's how I feel. It's done. You know, we can talk about. Whoever the hell we're playing this week, I don't know. But that I have no problem with it Sunday. I think it's dragged on a little bit too long, partially because of the press. But Baker also could have put an end to it, put an end to it himself. Yeah, I agree, um, Matt. Before uh, before we shut down here, one last thing. Uh, I know sometimes when the big fights are out there, the big name fights are out there, we talk about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, no bigger fight than Fury versus Wilder this weekend. It's this weekend. That's, that's that's this weekend? This weekend it is, oh, is it it Saturday tomorrow night? or is it Saturday? I think it's Saturday. Damn. It's Saturday night. Heavyweights going at it. Two bruisers undefeated versus a comeback guy in Tyson Fury who's about four years past his prime. But it's the American versus the foreign. Is he English? Irish? I think he's English. Tyson Fury. I think, I think he's, he's English. English. It's going to be two monsters throwing punches. It's Two great boxer uh, names, by the way. Two Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Those this are, is not. They were born. It's not boxes. getting the buildup that it deserves. It deserves Floyd Mayweather type buildup. Um, it's going to be a great fight. And if you love seeing guys throw punches, it. I doubt this thing goes the distance. You got a couple of knockout artists, and uh, I, I think we're going to see some fireworks. So uh, that's a pay per view that's going to be worth every dime, I believe. I would uh, I would like to order that one, Joe, but unf- not unfortunately. Fortunately, I have some other plans for Saturday night, which I'm going to talk about. Uh, should, should I talk about it now? Uh, yes. One more point, though. One Go more ahead. point. It used to it used to mean so much. Who was the heavyweight champion of the oh, world? I agree. And that's I, what's on the line here. And we have a for boxing and Deontay. Back, they need, but a, not they only need boxing. Deontay, we haven't had an American heavyweight champion in a very long time. Deontay Wilder can become the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world as an American boxer. That used to mean everything, and it'll never mean what it meant. But I think for sports fans, this could be a nice notch in the belt for the American. No, I, for, I think for boxing to kind of, uh, I don't think bo- boxing will never be what it used to be. But for it to kind of get itself back into the spotlight, as fun as it is to watch Floyd Mayweather dance around the ring and kind of make a fool out of opponents defensively. You need you need the big heavyweights. You need big name heavyweights because that's what's going to draw. That's going to have the most action. Those are going to be the most violent fights, and that's what kind of gets people coming back. And I, I think a fight like this could kind of put 
boxing back on the map a little bit and give you that big and, name in the heavyweight division that it's been craving since I, I don't even remember, honestly. Pardon pardon my mistake here, too. I'm looking at the tail of the tape. No losses between the two of them. 40-0 and 0, taking on 27-0. and 0. What if they draw? Uh, that would suck. That would be terrible. Deontay Wilder, 40-0 and 0 with 39 knockouts. I think he gets to 41-0 and 0 with 38 knockouts. 30, no, he couldn't get less with 40 knockouts. <laughs> well. Um, but, Matt, you were saying, obviously, uh, Saturday night there is uh, a I bigger event than Wilder Fury. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. Oh, we got we got wish that was, fest. That was me teeing you up. I that appreciate was, that. Was me that. You up. We got wish fest well, coming up on Saturday it. night. One last uh, plea to all of you: if you haven't bought tickets, if you haven't decided whether or not you're going, do it now. Decide that you're going. Go ahead, buy tickets. They got great events. They got uh, Dispatch is the headliner. Easton Corbin, one of the headliners, a country singer, a whole bunch of other local acts that are that are, have been there quite a few times that are good just about every year. Some of the um, fighting Irish going to be in the house. Yeah, there, there's going to be there's a, a lot of uh, I think expecting big names. The the undefeated Irish, as you said, that seen tweets from Kyle Schwarber, Jabari Parker, guys like that, local Chicago sports guys pro- promoting it. You never know who's going to show up, but uh, it's a great time for obviously even even better cause that you and I are, are both very near and dear to the Andrew Wisher Foundation. Uh, these guys put the events on every year. It's always a home run of an event, and uh, come out on Saturday night, buy your tickets. I think it's 115 for a gold ticket gets you, you know, uh, free drinks and free food for the majority, if not all of the night. Um, it's, it's an event worthwhile for a cause. Silent auction stuff, too. There's a whole bunch of fun to be had. So come on out and have a great time on Saturday night. Uh, go to wishfest.com or wishforever.org. Uh, that's W-E-I-S-H. Uh, for more info, buy tickets, all that stuff. Get on the Internet. We'll see you Saturday night. Joe, unfortunately, it, it's tough for you to make it back from Sacramento for one night. So you'll be yes, there in un- spirit. Unfortunately, um, uh, we'll not be able to be there. But that's, a, um, that's you know, it's it's tough to get back from San, from for Sacramento for one night, especially when you work weekends. But uh, you, you'll be there is. in spirit. You, you promoted this as, as much as anybody too, so uh, I know how much uh, th- this event means to you as well. Well, thank you, and it's an event that uh, if you're in the area or anywhere close, it is can't miss. Uh, so get there, whether you know Andrew, knew Andrew, whether you know the Wisher family, uh, you're going to show up, you're going to meet them, and you will become family because mm-hmm. that is how the Wishers and this amazing group of people operate. And uh, it is, like you said, a great cause and some great entertainment. Uh, so like you said, wishforever.org, wishfest.com. Get your tickets, get there, and have uh, have the best night of, uh, of December of this year and uh, going into 2019. It should yeah. be a great time. So uh, that, that great cause by the way is all that money all the proceeds do go to to families fighting cancer uh which was was andrew's wish he wanted to to pay forward all the help and the the assistance he received during his fight so all that money all those profits they make all the proceeds those are going directly to families who are experiencing the same fight the wishers did you know families uh with with child or children excuse me members uh fighting cancer so it's it's a great cause this thing is growing at an exponential rate and uh it it has been amazing to see what uh, danny and the entire family have done because i saw a figure the other day they've already raised upwards of eight hundred thousand dollars in the short time that the foundation has been uh, around um for families battling uh just debilitating disease Mm -hmm. and um it's it's only going to get bigger it's only going to grow and the impact is only going to grow with it so be a part of this change and uh, get there to Wish Fest. It's going to be a great one. I tell you what, we'll FaceTime you on Saturday night, show, so you'll be there, I, basically. I thoroughly look forward yeah. to that. Please do it. 
Uh, All right, if I'm not making any it. sense when I talk to you, I apologize, but I you, will. You you rarely do, Matt. Yeah. So it, yeah. Okay, that's fair. So we're all good. You've been all doing right. that for like 82 <laughs> weeks now. So that's gonna do it for the Moose and Moon podcast episode 82. As Matt just said, thank you as always for tuning in. Uh, don't this week we don't need your likes, we don't need your retweets. Get over to wishforever.org, wishfest.com, and uh, make a real impact felt. That's gonna do it. We love you guys. Talk to you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.